SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid here on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours, giving you the edge all the time here on the grid. We're going to have such a great show in store for you because the NFL season, it basically just feels like it's underway. Hard Knocks started last night, which gets me pumped up every time for the season. Major League Baseball, there was huge finishes to some of these games and games that had a lot on the line for some of these divisions and division leaders. James Young going to join the show. A lot of movement in the NBA and Summer League. What do you need to look out for in Summer League with all these young players, first, second year players on the floor? Who are we looking out for? Well, the odds are up on the FanDuel Sportsbook for your Rookie of the Year in the NBA. I'm not really in the mood to talk about the NBA yet because last night with Hard Knocks on TV, my co-host Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, I don't know if you watched, but I couldn't help but watch last night. Hard Knocks is just must-see TV for me every Tuesday evening. I don't know if you watch. Do you know anything about me, Ariel Epstein? I love Hard Knocks with my whole entire heart. You I watch all five... Watch, I have please. a friend that says that they like to just wait until the end and binge watch all episodes. That's why I didn't what know the? what your tactic was. Binge watch? By the time you get to the end, actual football is about to start. Binge watch? What are we doing? The greatness about Hard Knocks is you see things that happen on a daily basis on Twitter and the headlines play out in front of your cameras in the way that HBO and NFL films can only portray it. What are we binge watching for? By the time you get to the final week, you're pretty much a week away from the start of the NFL season. Binge, I need to meet this friend, Ariel, because they are ludicrous. You have to be there each and every week. It is live appointment television, 10 p.m. Eastern time on a Tuesday night to watch Hard Knocks each and every August. Binge watch, what are we doing out here? It's great. I know this has nothing to do with gambling, but I do believe that there's something to be said about the inside information. We saw that Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Cowboys, likes to compare his practices to Austin Powers. That makes me want to fade Dallas right away. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, there was a couple things that happened yesterday that you're like, ah, I'm not sure this Cowboy team has the moxie or the makeup to actually be. can't wrap a birthday present. Yeah, I mean, you got a, you know a couple of questionable things out there. A couple of jokes Mike McCarthy said that really didn't hit home with his starting quarterback. I mean, ooh, it, uh, some questionable things about Dallas and how you look at them as the favorites in the NFC East right now, just in my opinion. I'm excited. We saw, we did see the Hall of Fame game uh, take place. Dak Prescott was not at, in attendance. Yet, the story with Dak Prescott and coming back from the ankle injury you can look to come back player of the year on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That is an option, Ben. That is indeed, and Dak might be that kind of guy. A lot of people thought it might be Carson Wentz. Of course, Carson Wentz 
now dealing with injuries as well. I think the narrative around these awards, and when we talk about individual awards across any sport, it is already narrative-driven. That is always what is going to be the case. So, of course, Dak suffering that gruesome ankle injury after a good start to last year. If the Cowboys' offense lives up to expectation with all the pieces and the weapons around him, and we saw that on full display on Hard Knocks last night, a leaner Zeke Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, who didn't play in that uh, Hall of Fame game but still was making incredible catches out there in Oxnard, California for the Cowboys during training camp. If Dak is able to reach out to all of those weapons and use everything at his disposal, then that might be the comeback player of the year. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here the morning after just getting underway here on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein, and we're talking hard knocks. Episode one review in a way, but what can we take from an episode one behind the curtains and portray in the gambling space? And we're talking about Dak Prescott possibly being the comeback player of the year, which you can bet on with odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook area. Another storyline that took center stage yesterday and pretty much for this whole week has been Major League Baseball favorites. The favorites mm. went 11 and 5 straight up yesterday, hitting at just over 74% in the last seven days. Seeing how much Major League Baseball favorites have been prevailing over the last week, it tells you there's not really value on the money line. However, Ben, this is why FanDuel's so great because we have so many different ways to bet where if you don't want to lay minus 176 for a team on the money line that's a favorite, unless you're parlaying, which I don't really like to do, but if you're not parlaying, then maybe you go and take some team total overs. There's just more creative ways to play this. Unfortunately for bettors who may like to bet underdogs, this just hasn't been your week in the MLB. And yesterday, because of a couple of double headers all around Major League Baseball, there were 17 Major League Baseball games you could have bet on yesterday. And had you taken favorites, you probably actually would have been slightly profitable, despite maybe some heavy juice across the board in certain areas. But Ariel, that's a great point. There are so many different other ways to attack a favorite. If you think a favorite, because of their offense and given these certain trends and based on over-under percentages in home and away ballparks, you can find other ways to play those favorites. Sometimes the run lines aren't going to give you that great juice and a price you have to pay either, but there are so many different other ways to play a favorite. One of my favorite ways, Ariel, is waiting to go in-game live and seeing a number on a favorite beforehand that maybe you don't want to pay, but then you go in-game live baseball wagering and maybe that favorite gets behind early on. They're down one, two nothing early in the first or second inning, and then they flip to a money line live underdog, then you can find some profitability there. We see it all the time across Major League baseball there would have been opportunities to take the Giants at a lesser price yesterday against the D-backs a whole variety of ways on the FanDuel Sportsbook to still find some solid profitability on favorites one team that wasn't a favorite did end up prevailing yesterday and it took place in the ninth inning bad beats in baseball have been happening the last couple of days I'm a little annoyed I didn't jump in on this one yesterday however it's just been a heck of a week in Major League Baseball, and I'm ready for the NFL. But we're going to have baseball and more recaps from last night. Some crazy comebacks coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I mentioned it before, favorites went 11-5 and five straight up in Major League Baseball yesterday. There was one favorite that I really thought had a shot at winning until the ninth inning. The Boston Red Sox were home favorites against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays were plus 106 on the money line on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and yet Tampa Bay ends up scoring multiple runs in the ninth inning. In fact, read this. The Rays have now scored 63 runs in the ninth inning this season, 11 more than any other Mm. team. The Astros Mm. have 52. The Red Sox have only scored 19 runs in the ninth inning, which is the second fewest in the MLB, just ahead of the Colorado Rockies, who have scored 17 runs in the ninth inning. Tampa Bay goes on to win, scoring their runs in the ninth for the go-ahead. Unbelievable that you could have gotten the Tampa Bay Rays likely as a dog, not only pregame, but also in-game live as well, Ben. Oh, they would have been a heavy, heavy dog on that live line in-game live. They were plus money even prior to first pitch, which is very interesting to see the best team in the American League with a plus money price even on the road against a Boston Red Sox team who is really going the opposite direction of the Tampa Bay Rays at the moment. The stats you saw there, the fact that the Rays have the most runs scored in the ninth inning at 63 as of yesterday, and the Boston Red Sox with the second fewest Maybe a big reason why the Rays are opening up a commanding lead in the American League East. They have a five-game lead in that division at the moment. But Ariel, only minus 135 is the odds-on favorite to win that division. I say only minus 135 as an odds-on minus money favorite because with a five-game lead at this juncture in the direction that they are trending, I know the Yankees are getting hot, the Blue Jays are getting hot, the Red Sox going the opposite way. You would think that minus money price might be a little bit longer if you wanted to back the Tampa Bay Rays at the moment. But a team that is great at any portion of a Major League Baseball game, down 4-1 to entering that sixth inning. The Rays rally back, they tie it up, and then they score four in the top of the ninth to beat the Red Sox 8-4. to A team that, when the moments are most crucial, Kevin Cash and company come through. Speaking of the manager of the Rays, Kevin Cash, he said after the game that this team continues to just be resilient. Yeah, they were pumped. Look, they came out with a lot of energy today. Uh, this crowd can do that for, for sure. But Frankie's at bat. Uh, Barnes, you know, we made him throw a lot of pitches. He laid off um, or got a, a called strike changeup, then laid off another changeup, and then got a breaking ball that just never came back down, kind of left it up, and he was ready for it and just laced a big double, uh, whatever it was, right down the line for just huge runs for us. Whatever it was, doesn't matter. As long as it's runs like the Rays continue to do in the ninth inning. I'm annoyed because I wanted to jump in on the Rays. I said this yesterday at some point in the series. Mm. If you're going to keep booking the Rays as underdogs in Fenway Park, you're likely going to be profitable. Wouldn't shock me if the Rays come away with at least two out of three against the Red Sox in this series. We'll go through more of this game in uh, our happy hour segment in hour number three when we go through our Major League Baseball board. But another team in the American League East that has a trend going for them, the Baltimore Orioles. Not necessarily Oof. meaning that the Orioles score a lot, but they are the home for the most fav- the most uh, home overs in Major League Baseball. The Orioles have been hitting the over at home in Camden Yards at just under 65% this year. The Angels actually used to be the team that had the most home overs, but the Orioles, after this game, ended up uh, passing them. The Tigers get the win 9-4 in Camden Yards. The Tigers were favored at minus 134, but the total was 10. Ben, just seeing that there's a stadium where a team who plays at home all the time continues to profit over to hitting the overs, it's a trend that you have to keep an eye on, more so for the home teams than even the away teams. 
Yeah, absolutely so. When you look at the Orioles, they have one of the worst home records in all of Major League Baseball. In fact, the worst home record in all of Major League Baseball at Camden Yards. And that's because maybe they're not contributing to the scoring as much. But away teams are coming into Baltimore and putting up a ton of runs, allowing now Baltimore to be the highest over percentage of all home ballparks in Major League Baseball. You mentioned Ariel. It used to be Anaheim. It used to be the Angels at home. Well, now, as of yesterday, the Orioles have overtaken them for the top spot with the highest over percentage in all of Major League Baseball. 64.7% in Baltimore, 64.3% of games going to the over in Anaheim. So if you're looking to fade the Baltimore Orioles, you can either look at the game total overall, which certainly went over yesterday, or just look to the visiting team, see how they do on the road in terms of run production, and then maybe look to their team total. Again, the total today is 10.5 right now between the Tigers, Tariq Skubal, and going up against Matt Harvey of the Baltimore Orioles. Now, 10.5, and you see Matt Harvey, you might be thinking that's an automatic over. Matt Harvey has been better here as of late. Three straight scoreless starts prior to the last start against the Yankees where he gave up two earned runs and only about four and a third innings of work. But again, we're talking about Baltimore. We're talking about Camden Yards, the highest over percentage now in all of Major League Baseball. The total today between the Tigers and the O's is 10.5. I'm sure we'll dissect that game, Ariel, coming up a little bit later. Happy hour with our Major League Baseball picks. Something else to also keep in mind for the Tigers, even though the Tigers actually are a little bit more profitable to the over on the road, the, the Tigers are hitting at just over 56% to the over on the road. However, when they're at home, it's just mm. 36% to the over. Keep an eye on the Tigers. Don't think that because they score a lot in Camden Yards that if they go back home to Detroit, they do that. They don't. In fact, third most unders in Major League Baseball when playing in Detroit. Lastly, Angels and Blue Jays played a doubleheader yesterday. You had the two leading MVP candidates in the American League going head-to-head. The two leaders for Major League Baseball homers going head-to-head, Shohei Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, the Angels win game one, 6-3, plus 146 on the money line. The Blue Jays win game two, 4 nothing, cashing in minus 174 on the money line. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. had an RBI single in game two. Otherwise, he's hitting 195 for the month of August. Otani only hitting 111 for the month of August. Then, even though Otani is heavily favored at minus 850 to win the American League MVP, both of these players have been struggling this month. And this will be the showcase for both of them to go off against each other and hopefully provide a lot of action offensively in Anaheim. Because, again, we highlighted Baltimore now having the highest over percentage of all of their games played at home this year. The Angels are not far behind, and for a majority of this Major League Baseball season, had that top spot with the most overs at home in all of baseball. So you would think that opportunity is ripe for both Shohei and Vladdy Jr. to go off and put up some big numbers here in this series this week. Like you mentioned, they split that doubleheader. You had Vladdy with an RBI single. You had Shohei in game number two with a triple. So that was pretty cool to see him flex the wheels. But overall, both of those guys just one hit yesterday in both of those games, hoping for a little bit more excitement through the rest of this week. And despite Shohei only batting 111 in the month of August so far, and we're nearly halfway through the month of August, so it does take on a certain amount of notoriety. He's still minus 850 to win the American League MVP. Vladdy is second, like you mentioned, at plus 650. I still think it's Shohei's to run away with. But again, we're hoping this week in Anaheim, the warm weather out there on the West Coast, the second highest over percentages of all home ballparks in Major League Baseball, that we will see some runs courtesy of both Shohei Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As you talk about the Blue Jays, though, the Angels not so much in the playoff hunt. The Blue Jays now two and a half games back 
of that second and final wild card spot in the American League that is now occupied by a team from the AL East, the Boston Red Sox. In that second and final spot, the Oakland Athletics have the top spot, a game advantage over the Red Sox. So now you have three teams, Ariel, coming out of the AL East, all battling for that second and final AL wildcard spot. The Red Sox with a two-game lead over the Yankees currently and a two-and-a-half-game lead over the Blue Jays. So this final month and a half or so of the Major League Baseball regular season will be a battle down the stretch in the American League East, not just for the top spot in that division, which the Rays are running away with, but that, for that second and final wild-card spot in the American League. I've also been looking at those win totals from the preseason, and Tampa Bay and Toronto, weirdly enough, had the same win total preseason on the Vandal Sportsbook. Both those teams were at 86. Right now, you have Toronto at 61 wins, Tampa Bay at 69 wins. So Tampa Bay pretty close, pretty close to 86 wins. I, I just can't believe how much the books pretty much underbooked Tampa Bay just because, what, they lost Blake Snell, a pitcher. Toronto, they didn't take seriously enough. Actually, they took Toronto more seriously than they took Tampa Bay, but they took the Yankees so seriously. I mean, the Yankees' win total, I'm pretty sure, was in the 90s. I, I have to double-check the numbers, but... The Yankees were at 95 and a half. The Yankees currently sitting at 62 wins on the FanDuel or uh, in the standings. But coming up next, NFL training camp. We'll stay right. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to follow along with us on Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV on Twitter. Those are the Twitter handles, by the way, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. There are two of them. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more by following us there on Twitter, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. Speaking of Twitter, it's where Chris Mortensen just broke some news that I find very surprising. The NFL reporter mm. said that it's good vibes all around in Colts training camp. Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are competing for the backup role. Yes, the backup role. Carson Wentz trending to open the season as the starter with all-pro guard Quentin Nelson on the same path after they both had the same foot surgeries. The Colts opened the season against the Seahawks. Ben, this news comes a day after hearing that Jacob Eason's going to start this Saturday's preseason game against the Panthers, yet He's splitting first-team snaps with Sam Ellinger, the rookie. This was the surprising news of the last 24 hours until Chris Mortensen came out this morning saying, hey, the Colts are expecting to have their starting quarterback week one after just having surgery last week. Are you surprised? What's even more surprising than Chris Mortensen saying that Carson Wentz might be available for week number one, which seemed at a time highly unlikely, is that Chris Mortensen knows the term good vibes. That's an upset right there. That's plus money on Chris Mortensen <laughs> knowing and sharing out a tweet saying good vibes. Good for you, Chris Mortensen. But yeah, I think it's a little bit surprising as of right now that Carson Wentz seems like he is trending toward being that starter for week number one. But here's what I will say right now, Ariel, is look to preseason week one, not regular season week one. The Colts play in the preseason week one finale this upcoming Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. And Frank Reich mentioned Jacob Beeson will get the start, but Sam Ellinger, 
out of Texas has been getting a lot of run with the ones throughout this past week at training camp. So when we look at preseason lines, we see the Colts a one and a half point favorite. They are going to be figuring out their backup quarterback, Jacob, Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. Hammer the Colts minus one and a half for that preseason week one finale against the Carolina Panthers. They might play Sam Darnold. They also invested a bunch into Sam Darnold. I don't expect him to get a lot of run. The Colts need to figure out who their backup is in Indianapolis. I love the Colts minus one and a half to end out preseason week number one on Sunday. I like it. Get more starting time for a lot of these players that are going to need to prove themselves. The head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, spoke out yesterday about the quarterback competition and why Ellinger has been impressive. You probably noticed a couple things, right? You probably noticed a couple things. We ended up splitting the reps uh, at quarterback today with the ones with Jacob and uh, and Sam. Uh, and really, that was more, it wasn't anything with Jacob doing anything wrong. It was just, right, you know, this is meritocracy. And Sam, Sam's look good. So we decided to split it up. The good news is that they both look sharp today. I mean, Jacob had a really good day today. Sam looked good. We'll continue to uh, split those reps and just take it day by day. But happy with how they both look today. Ben, this isn't surprising. It always feels like head coaches in the NFL want to breed some kind of competition, especially amongst quarterbacks. Yeah, not at all. And Sam Ellinger, who was a late-round draft pick out of Texas, the guy who famously said when handed a Sugar Bowl trophy, it feels like Texas is back, is now getting that opportunity for the Indianapolis Colts. And listen, Carson Wentz is an injury, I'm not going to say injury prone because we don't say that anymore on the show, but does have an injury history, and you're going to need to solidify that backup quarterback in Indianapolis. So whether it's Sam Ellinger or Jacob Eason, both young, unproven guys at the moment, Frank Reich needs to figure out who's going to be in command of that offense. So the reps being split during practice, and of course, we'll see them both in live game action this preseason, starting week number one this Sunday. Just one more note, the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, their rookie out of Minnesota, uh, Rashad Bateman, ends up leaving practice yesterday. They said that it was some kind of soft tissue strain, it, according to hmm. Dr. Chow, groin and abductor strain, which likely means he will miss a large portion of training camp and potentially even the first few games of the season. Just not great for a rookie wide receiver trying to learn a new offensive system uh, at the NFL level, but we'll see how things continue to progress because according to the Colts, miracles can happen. Coming up next, we'll welcome in our MSG audience and we'll talk about the Giants and the Jets. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the sports Grid Network. We'll be back in 15 seconds. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on Sports Grid. We've also been on Sirius XM Channel 204 in the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast for the last 30 minutes. He's Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's talk about some New York slash New Jersey tri-state area football. As the New York Jets are trying to figure out their quarterback situation, yeah, I do mean that. Their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, was out there in practice yesterday. And according to ESPN.com's Rich Samini, 10 for 17, six sacks, one interception. Samini says that the looks like the defense dialed up more pressure than usual, and Wilson held on to the ball too long at times. Lawson was in the face all, Lawson was in his face all day. Wilson's receivers had a couple of drops. Overall, not a crisp day for him or the offense. Him referring to Zach Wilson. It's a new head coach who's really defensive minded in Robert Sala. Ben, when you see that the rookie quarterback is struggling at training camp. What's your level of concern? 
not overly concerned because it's a rookie quarterback. And let's not forget, Zach Wilson was the last first-round rookie drafted to be signed and showed up a few days late to training camp because of that. He's got to learn the offense. It's a new system for him. It's a new system for everybody among that offensive group for the New York Jets. Obviously, Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator there under head coach Robert Salah. But when you have Robert Salah at practice being asked about it, at least there's enough smoke around the idea that Zach Wilson is not performing up to where they would want the number two overall pick to be at this stage. Robert Salah saying that he's not overly concerned by it by any means. He's a rookie. He's going to learn, and he's going to be fine. But when you are looking at it from a betting perspective, listen, the Jets team win total is not very big this year. When you look at Zach Wilson in his passing yards prop, Ariel very astutely pointed out when we went over this number just a few weeks ago that at 38.50 and a half, that seems like a very hard under at the moment to lean toward that under and do so in a pretty drastic way. The Jets overall need a lot of improvement from that passing offense from where they were a year ago. Second to last in all of the NFL, only the Baltimore Ravens behind them. And we know we the Ravens. You didn't need to mention that part, to... Ben. You didn't need to mention that okay, part. Sorry. Thank you very much. Well, Thanks. I was uh-huh. going to highlight that the Ravens have the best rushing offense in the NFL the past yeah. two years, but the Jets, the second worst passing offense last year only 174.8 passing yards averaged per game that is pretty abysmal given this nature of the nfl so far as we are seeing this passing game become a part of what the jets are now trying to do so when you have zach wilson and that passing yards prop at 38 50 and a half with the struggles happening in training camp a little bit of a late start so far for zach wilson to get accustomed to that new offensive scheme mike lafleur is running Maybe you lean to that under right now. I know, Ariel, you were in favor of doing such a thing. Especially because Sam Darnold, the former quarterback of the Jets, was not able to go over this for all three years that he was in a Jets uniform. Yes, the Jets added Corey Davis, but one receiver is not going to be what gets this quarterback over the hump. He needs multiple receivers to help him do this. I don't see this receiving core being helpful enough to get Zach Wilson over this number. Granted, Wilson also didn't go over this number at any point in his college career. And now we're talking about the NFL. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'd say under on the passing yards prop. Now, the Giants reporter Jordan Rannan reported that the running back for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, who tore his right ACL last year in Game 2, looked fine again in his limited work. As the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge, said, this is essentially an extension of his rehab. That's just one of the many notes that Rannan had from Giants camp yesterday. But, of course, all eyes are on the running back, Saquon Barkley, Ben. And yeah, I mean, it's a great start to have Saquon back. Joe Judge said after practice, when he spoke actually before practice yesterday, but after Saquon's return on Monday, I believe it was, that Saquon was feeling good. They were happy with how he responded to all the activity. But when you look at that defense, and that's where you can really be optimistic about the New York Giants, because last year, when you look at their ranks among the top half of the NFL across the defensive board last year, you look at the Giants. Ninth in the scoring offense, ninth best scoring defense, I should say, in the NFL. Twelfth in total defense, sixth in opponents' yards per point, limiting the big play explosiveness of the opposing offense that Giants defense was facing. And then when you look to the Giants in the betting markets, you see their team win total at seven. The over has the juice at minus 130. In fact, that juice has become about five cents more on that price from minus 125 about a month ago to now minus 130. And the Giants at plus 390 to win the NFC East. If you're going to rely on this Giants team, it starts with the defense that was good last year. And now you expect the offense 
having Saquon back, having Daniel Jones in his third year, adding wide receiver options like Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney through the draft, that this could be a team that could threaten the NFC East. And it starts with that defense and two big cornerback acquisitions like Adoree Jackson and Darnay Holmes. By the way, Darnay Holmes went to Calabasas High School, as did I. We played for the same football program. Darnay Holmes, a lot more oh, prolific of a football career than I yeah, I mean, we're close, right? Same we're both money, in the New York City area. Same salary, yeah. I'm hey, sure. Go Coyotes. Go Coyotes. That's all I got to say. Anyway, um, but I think when you look at that defense, that's where you can have some optimism for the New York Giants. And Darnay Holmes leading it put on for Calabasas High School. Go CHS. Go Coyotes. You've just thrown me off completely because now that's all I'm going to think about is how Ben Stevens is – maybe on the same level as an NFL player. I know that our intern Jack wants to challenge Ben to some athletic competition, and I am all yeah. for this. I, I mean, match bet in some kind of Olympic-style event. Who wins? Ben, Holmes, Jack? I mean, are you the favorite? I, if Darnay Holmes is involved, no. Versus Jack, I'm like a minus 550 favorite in the entire decathlon that we would do. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Jack is going to have to – I think we should have Jack go up against Darnay Holmes first, and then when yeah. he loses, then you don't even have to compete against Jack, and this is just a win-win situation for you. So this is how it's going to all play out, Olympic-style morning after. Ty Jones doesn't even count because he's actually an athlete. Coming up next, we're going to have James Young joining the show. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 of the Sports Grid Network. NBA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, Sports Grid's own coach, James Young. Used to be a coach for women's basketball at Monmouth, and now he's here with us to break down all of these athletes, especially in the Summer League, because in Summer League play, we get that transition from college basketball or the G League over to the NBA level. What have your initial takeaways been from Summer League, Coach? Before we begin, Donnie Wrightside, shout out, brother. You are hotter than fish grease. Keep the picks coming between you, Ariel, Tom. I don't know anything about baseball, but I'm going to keep betting. So thank you, guys. Now, when we get to the summer league, what we're seeing, Ariel, is we're seeing some really good rookies that are actually playing pretty well and scoring at a pretty good clip. Last night, you had a great game uh, with Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green literally going at each other. And a lot of points were scored. That's not really typical with Summer League, especially with teams loaded with rookies, because you then have guys that usually struggle. they got to get the jitters out. So there was really high-level basketball being played um, last night in that game. But also, a lot of rookies, guys, are turning my head and turning my head quickly on how well they're playing. Coach, from a coaching perspective in Summer League, when you have these high prospects now coming out and performing in this NBA Summer League, what are some of the things you're looking for in their games that you think, okay, they are ready to take this next step into the association? 
you know, Ben, the last thing I'm actually concerned about is them making shots. It's about playing at NBA pace. It's defending. It's if you're defending a ball screening, you get hit. You get hit. Do you do you just drop off? Do you stick with your man? How do you rebound? Do you turn the ball over or not? And the big thing, because remember, NBA Summer League, you get 10 fouls. Do you foul a lot? So if you're taking care of most of those things, the scoring bend usually comes last because at that point they've got they've gotten the jitters out. So what's happening is that some of these guys are playing really well and they're scoring. So that's the big thing that I'm seeing right now by this rookie class, which we talked about on draft night, is going to be one of the deepest drafts that this NBA has had in a long time. Speaking of it being one of the deepest drafts that the NBA has had in a long time, the odds are up on the FanDuel Sportsbook for Rookie of the Year. Everyone's still in plus money, which we did not see as the case last year. There was a favorite. This year, Cade Cunningham at plus 195, Jalen Green 3-1, to Jalen Suggs plus 650. There's, of course, a lot of other players on this list. Since you do believe this draft is so deep, Coach, how much could you see value in this market, aside for just Cade Cunningham with the shortest odds? Ariel, I could see a ton of, of value in this market because you're just one injury away from Cade Cunningham to this thing opening up. So I'm going to give you guys three guys that I like right now, uh, and I'm going to give you three sleepers. Obviously, you got to like Cade Cunningham as a favorite. He's going to have the ball in his hands the most than anybody else in the league. They're going to give him the chance to run the show in Detroit. So obviously, he should be the odds-on favorite. Two, I'm not going to go with, with Jalen Green yet. I'm going to go with Jalen Sucks. I think that they're going to give him the ball in Orlando. They're going to probably slide Cole Anthony to two, which probably is going to make Cole and Greg Anthony pretty upset. But I like what Jalen Suggs brings to the table offensively and defensively and can play as the one or two. And then, obviously, you got to love Jalen Green. High, high-level score. Score all three uh, phases of the game. Ridiculously athletic. Get out in transition. It's going to get plenty of touches. All those guys are near the favorite of the boards. So now, let's talk about value and where you could find it on FanDuel. First off, me and Ben love the guy, Shungun. I thought he went way, way too low. And this guy, guys, is having a really good summer league. Extremely skilled, high motor, can play at the high post, can shoot, can tick you off the dribble, and can post you up. I think in Houston, guys, he could be a double-double guy. He can get 14 and 10 a night, and that can put him right in the race right away, and he's at plus 1,400. The other two guys, I've always liked Chris Duarte out of Oregon. With him going to Indiana and the fact that he is surrounded by Sabonis, Brogdon, Miles Turner, they need a shooter, a 3 and D guy. He's a plug-and-play, should start right away, extremely mature, has played really well and shot the ball really well in summer league. He's right now at plus 4,600 to 1. And my big, big, big sleeper, Trey Murphy. We all knew that the Pelicans needed a shooter. That that was a problem. And I got worried when they dropped the 17. Well, now you put him with Lon, uh, not Lonzo, uh, with, with um, Zion Williamson. You put him with Brandon Ingram. You put him with Valanciunas. What do they need? They need a knockdown down score and because Lonzo is gone depending on what you think on Valanciunas he could be the third score so now you're looking at those three guys and guys these plus 7500 to hit so if you look at those three value bets Shingun, Duarte and Murphy are my three sleepers
So from rookies to a guy that just signed the rookie Max and got paid in a big way by Dallas, Luka Doncic right now, Coach, is the favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook to be next year's NBA MVP at plus 440. Do you agree with the fact that Luka is the favorite heading into next year? Well, Jay Kidd's going to let Luka do whatever the hell he wants. So he should be the favorite because he's going to have the ball in his hands the most. He's going to shoot the most, and he's also going to get rebounds and assists. And look at the way, guys, he was in the playoffs. I think that that's a, a great pick. Now, if you look down the line, I'm looking at Steph Curry. I think the Warriors make a big jump this year. I think they get up to the top three seed. He's at plus 850. I love his odds right now. And then you can't dismiss Jokic. Plus 1,600. That's a lot of value there for a guy that had a phenomenal season, and I think Denver is going to be just as good or even better uh, than they were this past year, especially once they get Jamal Murray back. And I love getting Bones Highland in a draft. I love that you're mentioning the Denver Nuggets, and we're here with Coach James Young from here on SportsGrid breaking down the NBA futures market. The Nuggets are at 10-1 to to win the Western Conference this year. Denver actually made a decent playoff push even without their leading scorer Jamal Murray on the floor coach how much value do you see in the west with the Denver Nuggets at 10 to 1 well that's a great point Ariel because they're my sleeper team to come out of the west right now because if you look at that team they're so well coached they have a skilled big man that you can't stop and they get everybody everybody back once Jamal Murray gets gets healthy, obviously talking about Bones Highland. And remember, Will Barton was hurt, guys, and came back late in the playoffs. He was a big contributor who comes back. So they have a nice nucleus, and there's that there's that team kind of like Phoenix that took that next big that took that jump. I think they could be the team. It may not be necessarily a jump so much in the standings, because I still see him right now as uh, the four seed, but I still see him as you never know. You get him in the playoffs. If it's four one with the Lakers. Lakers are banged up. Maybe they run them out of the gym. So I really do like Denver as the value pick coming out of the West. The four seed in your mind, but the sixth shortest odds out of all teams to win the Western Conference. To me, there seems to be a ton of value on the Denver Nuggets to win the Western Conference, maybe even the Denver Nuggets in that NBA championship market. But let's go to the other conference, the Eastern Conference. And maybe unsurprisingly, the Brooklyn Nets have the shortest odds, and I mean short, at plus 105 to win the East. So, James, I don't think 105 is a ton of value. Where do you see the value in the Eastern Conference? Well, you got, to me, you know, Brooklyn, they are the chalk team. They should get through. But listen, look what happened last year with the injuries, with Harden. You never know with Kyrie. So you never know with them. I think you got to look at, you got to look at two teams, okay? You got to look at Miami for what they can do. They got Jimmy Butler. They got Kyle Lowry. They re-signed Duncan Robinson. They got Bam. They got P.J. Tucker. And they got Eric Spolstra, who is dynamite, dynamite in the playoffs. So you can't discount them. But now I'm looking at the sleeper team that made a big jump last year. Do they make the big step now? How about Atlanta at plus 2,100 to one? Listen, guys, if Trey Young doesn't get hurt and DeAndre hurt, uh, Hunter isn't hurt, they could have come out of the East. I mean, that's a distinct possibility. And then they bring in Sharif Cooper. Lord have mercy. You want to talk about a steal of the draft? That guy is a bucket getter. And he coming, him coming off the pick and roll, got to remember, guys, Synergy Sports is a great tool. If you guys ever look into it, they do analytics. And we use it a lot at the college game. Sharif Cooper was the best pick and roll 
ball handler out of all the guards coming out. And what does Atlanta run? High pick and roll. He's your backup point guard. He leads that second team with Lou Williams. Does our guy Ariel John Collins take the big step this year and become more consistent? If they do, you got to think that that team with Nate McMillan has got to be a sleeper pick to come out of the East. Speaking of the East, the New York Knicks are a team that you love. And, Coach, when you saw that Kemba Walker ends up leaving Boston and now is headed over back to his home team in New York, how do you see him fitting into this roster? Well, let's hope the knee Ariel holds up. That's the big thing. And if you're looking at him splitting the minutes with Derrick Rose at about 20 to 25 minutes a game, I think he is a perfect fit. He's coming home. He cares about the city. He loves New York City. This is his home. We know what he did at UConn. I mean, you know, as soon as it happened, I said, Ben, the, the picture of party at Kemba's when he put that guy in pit and he, the guy stumbled about 49 steps into the ground. So I think Kemba's going to be a dynamic pickup. Listen, at the end of the day, guys, I still think the Knicks are probably right now the seventh seed, maybe the sixth seed in the East. You still got to like Brooklyn. You still got to like Milwaukee. Still got to like Miami, Philadelphia, Atlanta. And then it's them or Boston in that 6-7 spot along with Chicago. Those three fighting for that 6-7-8 spot. So if the Knicks can just show a little bit of progress, you got to remember, guys, they got a lot of draft capital now with these young players and these draft picks. And they may have hit more on their second-round picks and McBride, who's playing really well, and Sims, who is a, a, a human pogo stick. He put a guy on a poster. I think he dunked the ball with his chin two days ago. So they got some guys there. So they got some assets that down the road, guys, a trade's got to be coming because they have the pieces in place to go make a big move in the, in the future. A trade might be coming to the Big Apple. Maybe, just maybe. James, only about a minute left here. I think one of the more intriguing teams in the NBA this offseason is the Golden State Warriors. They had two picks in the lottery, yet have the fourth shortest odds to win the NBA championship next year and the second shortest odds to win the Western Conference. What do you make of where the Warriors stand heading into next season? Guys, I think they're the three seed. I think they've hit with Kaminga and Moody. If they get anything out of them and they're young and they're going to learn then they can move up into two and they'll be dangerous in the playoffs. But as we end the segment, guys, your big dummy award's got to come back. My your big dummy award goes out to Dennis Schroeder. Bro, huh. you had $84 million in the bag and you were playing with LeBron and you gave it up for 5.9? You and your agent, your big dummies. I love the Big Dummy Award, and you're right. It didn't surprise me at all. The only thing that I could see Schroeder wanting to go there for is because they don't have a point guard anymore. Now that you have Walker that's going to New York, you needed somebody to fill that spot. Listen, I've heard stories about these NBA players who they're all about their egos. When you're playing with LeBron James, coach, you're not going to be the star of the show. You may not even be the number two or the number three because LeBron takes mm. up the number one, the number two, and the number three spot on that team. But Coach James Young, thank you so much for joining us again on this Wednesday morning. Good luck to any bets that you place later on in uh, Major League Baseball or even Summer League, and we'll see you again next week. More bets, please, Ariel. I need help.
Prop Queen. Home run. The Dinger Tuesdays. So much fun. Coming up next, we're going to close out our number one with our favorite. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour one here in the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Arielle Epstein. It's time for our poll. Let's get to Fade the Public. The poll question is taking two NFL teams that the book's not really that high on. In fact, both these teams have six wins for their win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The question is, who's going to finish the regular season with more wins? The Philadelphia Eagles or the Jacksonville Jaguars? The public at 56% say the Philadelphia Eagles are going to finish with a better record than the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Ben, are you fading the public? Good job, public. You nailed it right on the head. No, I agree with the public because we fade the Jacksonville Jaguars at all costs. The under on their team win total is minus 125. The over has the juice for the Eagles at minus 150. So the book also agreeing with the public. This is a public answer, but we fade the Jags at all costs. Public, if you want to take it one step further, hop along and join me right now because you could look to the alternate team win total market for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you want to fade them even more, like I am prone to do, the under of a five and a half team win total is plus 140. The under of a four and a half team win total on the Jacksonville Jaguars is plus 240. Ooh, I think this Jags team could go 4-13 and like that. So I might take the plus 240 on the Jags because, Ariel, what do we do? We fade the Jags and we fade Urban Meyer. That 4-13 and number is so weird. Just thinking of 4-13 and as a record, yikes, that's atrocious. We are fading this Jaguars team, though. No way. I can't see it. Over six times more wins than you had last year? That <laughs> seems like a hefty price. Coming up next, we have hour number two of the show. We'll continue to talk about how things are changing in the NBA as the free agency market continues to heat up. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time right here on the grid on Sirius, on 1090, the Mightier, and MSG+. We're going to be right back, and right now it's Alex Bassano with your Sports Grid News Update. 